On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about debt and some good news for Hamilton. A massive deficit that we were anticipating has disappeared. We'll explain why and also why there's a little tiny asterisk beside it. We're also going to be chatting with Don Robertson about a bunch of stuff, including what his level of surprise is that we have made it through the baseball season, basketball season, hockey season, and COVID has not wiped everything out. All that plus a lot more right after this. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Several months ago, if you have been listening regularly, or even if you're not a regular listener, if you've been following the news at all, spec, CHCH, whatever, you would have started hearing some worst case scenarios being bandied around in Hamilton. Uh, Due to COVID, we were, well, there was talk that we were looking at massive operational deficits. The number 60 million was thrown around for a long time. They started talking about two, uh, sorry, 120 million that the city could be in the hole for because of money that was not coming in that we were, we'd normally have. And because municipalities can't run operating deficits, those amounts would have had to have been paid off right away. Well, you can understand the nightmare scenario that a city like this that isn't flush with cash to begin with faces if we're suddenly now having to find an extra 60, 70, 80, 120 million dollars. Well, that's the bad news. The good news is we got some good news. We got some good news last week. It's so nice to have good news for a change. Uh, we got some good news for this city, and that is grants from, and I guess it's grants, but money from higher levels of government, from the province and the federal government, have bailed us out from this right now. How big a deal is this? Well, let me bring in Ward 9 Councillor Brad Clark, who has spoken to us before on this when things were looking a lot more dire and was speaking as the um, the voice of gloom and doom at that time, although rightly so. Uh, he joins us now. Councillor, thanks for doing this today. A pleasure. Thank you for thinking of me. Well, are you feeling a little better? Absolutely. I'm breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, honestly, without being ridiculous, and I mean, $60 million is a lot of money. I I don't understand what $60 million is. I certainly don't understand what $120 is in real terms. What would have happened in the city had this money not arrived? Uh, If the $62 million had stayed as the deficit to the end of 2020, then in 2021, there would have been a corresponding uh, tax increase that would have been double digit to all of the property owners within the city of Hamilton. We can't float a deficit year over year, so we have to clear the books off. We have no other way of paying for such a deficit other than through the levy. And would that have covered it, or would we also have had to look at cleaning out reserves and cutting programs or shutting things down? Um. I don't know. I suspect that there would have been a combination of options that would have been brought forth from from staff had we had that situation, um, but we'll never know. And hopefully in 2021, it, it, we don't get a repeat of this these hmm. costs, but I don't know. Right now, if you recall, it was $62 million for 2020, and it would be up to $120 million, so another $60 million in 2021. We're not sure what's going to, to happen in 2021 yet, but at least we're, ha- we're dealing with it on the fly as it occurs, and hopefully we can resolve the pressures. And again, not to be too um, cliche, but I mean, it really does sound like we dodged a bullet on this one. 
Oh, I, I, hey, I, <laughs> you, <laughs> I was a bit of a cynic. I didn't think that the senior levels of government were going to come through for the municipalities. I was very open in my cynicism. Um, I was wrong to, to, to go there, but from hi- my historical experience, senior levels of government let the other levels of government pay for these things. So they're looking after you know the citizens across the entire country. Costs at the municipal level, I thought they were just going to say, well, that, that's your cost, that's your share in this. And we would have been in a lot of trouble had that happened. So I was ecstatic. I mean, to quote President Trump, this was huge, right? This, this announcement <laughs> yeah. from the feds and the province was huge for municipalities. And, and we are incredibly grateful because it would have been the taxpayers that would have had a huge increase. Um, paying for things that we had to do because we were ordered to do it by the senior levels of government. And certainly your cynicism, um, I don't think you were alone. I think there were an awful lot of people who were thinking that, especially because of just the sheer volume of things that governments have had to pay for in the last little while. Had you begun, honestly, Brad, had you begun playing around in your head while you were lying in bed trying to fall asleep, contemplating what things you would have been looking to cut or what you were willing to get rid of or even how you would have uh, sort of the phone calls that would have come in and how you would have dealt with the angry taxpayers? Um, Yes, and I don't think I was alone in that. I think there were many councillors who were um, being extra cautious and started to look at, well, if we move money from here to here, would that help? And, and, And started kind of rearranging the chairs on the deck of the Titanic in the hopes that we don't hit the iceberg. Um, but it, it was, if, if you saw the worry in the faces of counselors, it was real. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. I think this is a very positive thing for Hamilton, Brad, the one thing though, and part of the reason I wanted to have you on today, in addition to the fact that you and I have talked about this before, you have spent time at Queens Park. You've been in those other levels of government. And I think that it's worth pointing out something that some people seem to forget. And that is the debt, even though Hamilton got bailed out, the debt has not gone away. The money has not disappeared. It's just been moved into a different spot, but the taxpayers are still on the hook for this. Well, absolutely, because what has transpired is that deficit that we had that was paid off by those grants from the province has now been added to the deficit of the province of Ontario, minus whatever funds came from the federal government, and added to the debt. And likewise, it will be a part of the deficit or debt at the federal level, depending on on allocations. So there's no... You know, I've said this before to you, that we, we can look all we want for the leprechaun's pot of gold, there isn't one in government. Someone has to pay, and it's always the taxpayers. So um, this public health crisis has dramatically increased the federal deficit and dramatically increased the federal debt, as well as many of the provinces across the country. And 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 the reason this is good news, in case anyone is, you know, because it's a little bit tricky, the city can't hold the debt. So the, the one positive here is the city couldn't do something with this. The province and the, and the federal government, they can hold on. It's still there, but they can deal with it a little bit better right now. But the other thing is, um, how, y- y- do you remember offhand how many municipalities there are in Ontario? 
over 450. Yeah, there's over 400, as I recall. Uh, Most or many of them are also, we're not special. They're also going to be getting bailed out. So we're not just on the hook even for Hamilton. I mean, it's this money is going to have to be paid back at some time. And so lest anyone think that this is just woohoo gone. I mean, we hit the lottery. Yeah, we kind of did, but not exactly. And you, as I say, you've been at Queens Park. You, you've seen how that level of government operates. What's your level of confidence? You talked about the fact that it was a pers- uh, an expected debt here of 62 for this year and possibly up to 60 for next year if COVID keeps going. We heard today the premier say the second wave is upon us. What's your level of confidence that the provincial government, any provincial government, could match the spending it's done already from March until now and do that again? They're, they're more than capable fiscally of matching that level of spending. The challenge, I think, for many provincial governments and even the federal government to some degree is there are fiscal hawks within caucus who will be quite concerned about the increasing deficit and increasing debt. As long as interest rates are low, it's manageable by senior levels of government. As soon as the interest rates go higher, it's much more challenging to pay that debt debt back and pay those service charges on that debt and that those service charges really what that means scott is if we're spending a higher amount to service the debt we're spending less elsewhere because we don't have the money to spend elsewhere unless we raise or you tax more or you tax more uh are you um are you very confident you were a cynic before this started what would be your confidence level that if it happened again that it would be a sure thing that the higher levels of government would come back in and bail us out a second time? I think Prime Minister Trudeau and, and Premier Ford have walked the talk. They made the promise that they would, that we were in this together and they would not abandon us, and they didn't. And I would expect that in 2021, the same thing will happen. They'll likely ask us to, to show where we had to spend the extra money because of the public health crisis, and then they will reimburse us for that. But we still have to be very careful with our budget and as frugal as possible because it is going to be a very challenging couple of years. Well, and that's that's really interesting because you guys, I don't remember the date, but it's coming up soon that you're going to begin budget negotiations around the council table. That's correct. Uh, it, it would seem to me that, uh, tell me I'm wrong, but this would probably not be the time to begin launching into a lot of aggressive new programs. It would be the time to start looking to show that, you know what, if we're going to get hit with a second one of this, we've prepared for it. I think what we'll find is that the federal government will issue a new infrastructure incentive program to municipalities and begin asking for shovel-ready projects that they, you know, if you're if you were going to build a brand new arena and you were all set to do it, but you didn't have the money for it, send it in and, and they would help fund it. Because Kickstarting the economy through capital construction is always a good thing. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things that they're going to do. But the municipality on its own has to be very careful that we're spending on our needs and not our wants. We're in very challenging times. And so let's make sure that w- what we are spending, we need to spend because we, need, we may need money elsewhere uh, at a later date. Is there a mechanism within our budget process to direct money to build up the reserves? If, if that was something we decided we wanted to do to have some safety net? Oh, we have that now, Scott. We have an excellent uh, reserve policy that was drafted, I think it was the last term of council. And that reserve policy 
uh, sets in place how we build up each of the reserves uh, throughout the, the budget cycle. And so we have been rebuilding our reserves, but we've also been spending our reserves. So it, it's, it, it's never a static situation. Should that be, we got to go here, but should that be accelerated or are you comfortable with the level right now, knowing what could be coming right down the road? If we accelerate allocations to our reserves, that means we put up taxes to do that. And so I've always been one, now nah, let's not put more into the reserves from the taxes, let's find savings to put into, into the reserves as opposed to taking more levy dollars. Ward 9 Councillor Brad Clark, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Have a good evening. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring in Don Robertson of the Dundas Real McCoys of ComChoice Realty, a guy we bring in every every Monday who just texted me <laughs> the answer to this question. You want to share what your answer to this question was? What was Mr. Rogers' first name? Roy. <laughs> Wife's name, Dale, and his horse was Trigger. <laughs> Living in a country neighborhood, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, you you know, you could be right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you're wrong, even though I'll let other people say that. Um, I'm not more. Wrong. Um, well, more probably to your liking. Today is also National Drink Beer Day, so there you go. Celebrate accordingly. Oh, I haven't had one. You should well, there's no, time. The night is young. Yeah. <laughs> Night is young. Uh, thanks for doing this today. Appreciate you uh, jumping on board as you do every Monday at this time. Read a um, read a tweet from the NHL today, and I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it was that they've done all these thousands of tests in the bubble and haven't had a positive COVID test. And tonight, theoretically, tonight or two days from now, they're going to present the Stanley Cup, and they're going to get this thing done. They're going to get a Stanley Cup presented despite COVID hasn't affected how leaving aside who's going to win, how absolutely shocked are you that baseball is heading into the playoffs and baseball is still playing basketball is going into the finals and basketball is still playing and the Stanley cup playoffs are about to come to an end and it played the whole thing. How shocked are you by that? I'm, uh, I'm very shocked and we talked about it earlier. What's going to happen if there's an outbreak on this team and, or that team, or one of the teams at this point. So I'll tell you, from where I sit, Scott, i got to take my hat off to the NBA and the NHL to sail through this thing with absolutely no hiccups that anybody's aware of. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable. Now, the players themselves, and the league need credit for this, but the players have persevered. They've stayed in the bubble. The Major League Baseball had some trouble which shouldn't be unexpected traveling around to different cities, the way the U S really wasn't locked down. They had a little bit of trouble early on, but they seem to be scooting through this thing unscathed too, which is really a surprise, but I got to take my hat off to both leagues. I, I was a little pessimistic. They could a little get through it a little and get through yeah. it this clean, get through it perfectly. Never crossed my mind. My hat's off to them. the players, the, leagues that did a great job i don i've every time we hear stories of a team that was you know in a hotel or whatever you always in the playoffs no matter what sport it is you always hear these stories that come out about you know they they bob ended up out after curfew or snuck out of the hotel or did whatever we always hear those stories i'm not talking about COVID. i'm talking just in general 
And so I was absolutely convinced that you were going to have players try to sneak out and go do their thing, which would, of course, then when they came back, somebody would bring it back into the bubble. So I, that to me is the biggest shock that except for one example, which was in the NBA with uh, Lou Williams, who was a guy who left the Clippers to go to a family funeral. And then we heard that he stopped at a strip club on the way home, because what else would you do when you go to a funeral? Um, Other than him, the players behaved. And that to me is the most amazing part about this. Well, um, uh, I'm big on defending players, but the truth is in in the NBA and the NHL, they didn't leave their bubble. I mean, they weren't going to restaurants. I'm not going to suggest to you there wasn't the odd Bud Light around, but they didn't have to go out to do it. And the hotel staff, I mean, the, I mean, you know, it goes right down to the people preparing the meals and everything else. I don't know if they were kept in the bubble, but it was, it was a monstrous task to keep everybody safe. And they pulled it off. Like the players, would they have gone out if they could have? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're young guys, right? I mean, but they weren't given that option. I, I mean, you got to take your hat off to them. They, they didn't stray, and they did a good job. I'll tell you one other reason why I'm so surprised about this from the players' perspective, and, and I, I'm with you. I mean, defend the players. That's a good thing. But we're in the playoffs. So this is not a time when you could argue, well, of course they're not going to leave the bubble because they've got millions of dollars of salary at stake. And if they get told to stay home, they're going to lose out on all this money. They're in the playoffs, so they're not being paid right now. And that to me is, you know, financial considerations are can be a real motivation. And that was not there. Baseball, yes, but not for the other sports. And so to even be as committed to this with no money. I mean, yeah, you could have endorsements and stuff. I get that. And you want to win, but I, I got to tell you, that's why I really expected somebody's going to, somebody on a team, Don, that had no chance is going to say, ah, forget this. I'm going out. They didn't. Well, Kukaras did. He went home, but that's, well, that's different. Yeah, that's different. He had different, he had different reasons for doing it and so on, but yes, they, they didn't. And, that's why the Stanley Cup is such a unique trophy and not taking anything away from the NBA. But they want to win the Cup. I think each guy gets like 140 grand if they win the Stanley Cup. And it was all prorated back to the first round and everything else. Most of those guys make $140,000 a week. So, you know, for you and I to get 140 grand to go into a bubble for a couple months ago, well, maybe. But these guys, I mean, they make, they make that on the weekend. So, you know, it's a, it's a testament to the fact that they want to get their name on the Stanley Cup. They want to be champions, and it means a lot to them. Now, bearing in mind, guys are going to be free agents. If they have good playoffs, they're playing for a lot because if they have yep. a great performance, they're going to make more money next year. But that's every year. I mean, but you can't lose sight of the big picture. They, they pulled it off. And uh, I understand Bill Daly was a big part of it. And, and uh, you know, you got to take their hat off to them. I'll tell you, it was a, it was a good job. Yeah, no, they, they, you're right that there is, when I say there's no money involved, of course there's money involved, long-term money, because you're right. I mean, some of the guys who are performing right now, uh, this will absolutely help them when they become free agents for sure. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very impressed by this, that they've been able to pull this off because I did not expect it. I absolutely thought that this thing would, at least in one of the leagues, maybe not all, but in one of the sports, I was sure it would come crumbling down. And I kind of thought it would be baseball. Uh, we'll still see about the NFL, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm stunned by this. 
But it also, you're right, Don, it says something about uh, the NBA. Yeah, you want to win that championship. Absolutely. But uh, up here, it's not going to be the same if you win the Stanley Cup. I mean, it, it's going to be a weird thing to whichever team ends up winning to win the Stanley Cup and have nobody in the stands and you're doing the laps around the rink and there's nobody there to show the thing to and you may not be able to have a Stanley Cup parade and you may not get your day with the cup depending on how it works and everything. Like everything is potentially weird and yet it still has that unbelievable lure that you still have to win. Small small fact that won't mean much to anybody other than likely Gary Batman. It will be the first time he's ever presented the cup and not been booed. <laughs> oh, they'll probably pipe some some booze in there just so he sounds so he feels comfortable. <laughs> that, guy, that guy won't have his job long if he does that. Wouldn't that be hilarious? That that would be the funniest thing anyone would have ever done. Gary Bettman walks out in an empty arena and suddenly there's just a deafening cacophony of recorded booze. <laughs> Bettman just <laughs> looking up to the press box going, yeah, I got your name, pal. That would be hilarious. As, we, we would actually see walks, if Bettman has a sense of humor or not. As the, as, the guy, as the sound guy walks up to the press box and hands Bill Daly his resignation papers <laughs> and says, I'll finish tonight. And yes, you will. You know, uh, I, I almost think it would be a really interesting thing because the pressure for them, no one's going to do this, but the pressure for the NHL not to give that guy or girl a hard time if they did that to show that Gary Bettman has a sense of humor would be intense. I don't know what would happen. And as I say, there's, in my mind, about a half of 1% chance they would do that. But, you know, who knows? Maybe... Don, maybe you and I misunderstand the man, and maybe Gary Bettman is a really self-deprecating, funny guy behind closed doors, and maybe he sent a note saying, when I walk out there, hit the booze on the speakers just so it sounds like normal. You never know. Well, um, I've had an opportunity to chat with him twice, and he's quite a delightful man to talk to. And I, as I've always said, he works for the owners. He's called the commissioner, but you know, he's the CEO of the league and he works for the owners and does a good job for them. And, um, you know, the, the player association have Don, uh, fear, fear. Yep. Working for them. So everybody knows who everybody's side they're on, but you're right. It would be, it would be refreshing to hear him get booed and smile about it. Yeah. Especially as I say, if we find out later that he had given the thumbs up to do it, because look, that's his line at every event, isn't it? I mean, everywhere he goes, he jokes about the fact when he's in public that, hey, you know, boo me louder. When he goes to the draft, he's doing the, you know, give me more booze because everyone does it. I think that would be really, it would, I did not intend to talk about this today, but you know what? You bring up a really funny point because that would, that would humanize him so much if we found out that he gave the go ahead to do that. It really would. Well, we might find out tonight. I'll have to see it on the highlights. They play too late for me, but. Um, I may, I may stick it out tonight. We'll see if Tampa gets a big lead. If, if Dallas is way up, I may end up in bed and then just stay up for game seven, but, uh, we shall see. Um, one of the, one of the interesting notes for people tonight, if they do watch game starts at eight, if they do watch guaranteed this year, a Hamilton guy is getting his name on the cup, which is very cool. It's either going to be Carter Verhage for Tampa Bay. Who's from Waterdown. Or it's going to be Nick Commando from Ancaster who is playing for Dallas. But a Hamilton guy is going to get his name etched in silver, which is um, which is kind of the dream. I, I think in the NHL, Don, that's the other thing. Every other league, you want to get a ring. 
and you talk about getting the ring and, and for sure the NHL guys, that's a very cool thing. But uh, if I was an NHL, if I was a pro hockey player, uh, much more than the ring, the idea of having your name chiseled into the Stanley cup to me would be the cool thing. There's two things. Everybody that's ever played the game as a kid wanted. One was to play, play in the NHL. The other was to win the Stanley cup. And I, you know, I know a bunch of guys that have played one game in the NHL and uh, they, you know, it's kind of, well, I don't want to talk about it when they're earlier, when they get older, they're going, yeah, I play the game and to win the Stanley cup. Now one feat is far, far less difficult to attain than the other because guys like Dion and there's so many great players in the past that never won a Stanley cup. So which one are you thinking is harder? Win the Stanley Cup. See, I disagree. Uh, not that winning a Stanley Cup is not incredibly hard, but I think getting to the NHL, because you can win a Stanley Cup by being a fourth-line guy who never plays. I think getting to the NHL is way harder than winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Actually, uh, as much as I hate to admit, admit this, I may have been wrong there. You're <laughs> right. The number, the number of kids that, that sit back and, and have that dream I just talked about, there's far fewer of them that attain that dream of even ever playing just one versus winning a Stanley Cup. I mean, I, I, I should have couched my position a little bit by saying it's very hard to get there, but once you get there, that is the ultimate goal. But sure, in fairness, getting there is uh, it, it's a pretty big challenge. And and you, you're not you're not wrong. I mean, look at how many great players you mentioned, Marcel Dion. Um, Ray Bork until he went to Colorado, couldn't do it. Dave Anderchuk until he went to Tampa, couldn't do it. I mean, so many great players that never got the opportunity to win a cup. Uh, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. There is, there is skill involved. There's unquestionably skill involved. You have to have, you you have to be a contributor, but there is also Don a significant portion of luck involved that you happen to be on the right team at the right time that gets hot at the right moment that gets you that opportunity. Well, I will, I will give you one assessment on what you said regarding Ray Bork going to Colorado to win the Stanley cup. Look, I would think uh, in retrospective analysis, look like those odds would have been a lot better for him to achieve that goal than Andrew Chuck going to Tampa. But Interchuck won a Stanley Cup in Tampa, and they may win a second one tonight. Uh, they may. And, and again, I think there's an element of good fortune involved in this because it's not just the best team, although I do think Tampa is the best team in the league and they may win it tonight. But you have to be the best team that happens to get hot and be healthy and have a hot goalie and get some bounces and all those things at the right time. And it's a, there's an awful lot of pieces that have to fall into, pe- into place together and some great, great players never had that happen. And, you know, again, Marcel Dion, perfect example. Harry Howell, perfect example. Um, you know, imagine imagine what, there's a lot of people listening, Don, right now, who know who Harry Howell is. There's a lot of people around here who have no idea who he is, who are listening. Uh, the yeah. greatest, I, I would argue, the greatest hockey player ever from Hamilton. Um, but he played in the black and white TV era, if then, and happened to be on a team where he was the best player and there wasn't always a lot of talent around him. Imagine if Harry Howell had been on the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs, how different his reputation, even in this city, would be. Especially Toronto, right? I mean, they still celebrate, and most of the people in the country weren't born when Toronto won their last Stanley Cup. 
mean, Doug Gilmore, Daryl Sittler, Wendell Clark are all heroes. Never won a Stanley Cup, but they played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So your your uh, your your view on that is dead on. How many cups did Toronto win in the '60s? Four, five, something like that. They won a bunch in the '60s. They won at least four. They won three in a row. They didn't win after '67. So, uh, Jam. Let's say four four. in in seven years. Okay, so let's say they won four four cups. They won three in a row. Yeah, so that's four cups, and that was right in Harry's wheelhouse. If he'd played for the Leafs, that means he's got at least four Stanley Cups on his mantle. And how different do people around here? How much more do people around here know about him if that's the case and if he'd been on Hockey Night in Canada every Saturday? So, you know, there's some luck involved for sure. Well, I'll tell you, though, you talk about luck. I mean, uh, you just said you think Tampa's probably the best team. That That's uh, kind of generally accepted, although you don't know in the, in the playoffs. I mean, uh, Dallas kind of got robbed the other night on a questionable call or something that you wouldn't expect to be called in overtime. But uh, Tampa Bay are playing and their captain has played five shifts in the playoffs and is arguably one of their top players that doesn't fall into the category of luck. I mean, they're, they're doing it without their captain, which is boy, if they can pull it off without Stamkos, I mean, how good are they? I mean, that's, that's pretty good. You take, you take uh, Dallas's captain off their team. I, boy, I'll tell you, they, I mean, they probably have no shot and Tampa could win it without their captain. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Don, I want to use um, Jack Eichel as an example. Jack Eichel, of course, the star with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, You can talk about him specifically or you can talk about him theoretically. But there's talk that he may be, may be looking to get out of Buffalo because the team has been bad for the whole time that he's been there now. They've never had success. He's been a good player but the team around him has been poor and they just have never been any good. And now there's rumblings he may want out. Do you respect players who in difficult team circumstances say, get me out of here, give me a chance to win? Or do you respect the guys who say, I'm going to stick around and try and fix this thing and may still lose, may lose my entire life, but I'm going to just hang in with this thing and not look to get, to get away. What do you, where, where do you sit on that one? Well, first of all, uh, let's assume that he's he's said that, uh, because it's pretty easy for people to say, you know, I'm betting he wants out, and that turns into a fact, and he's in, in actual fact never said it. But it's interesting, you know, it's an interesting point of view because we hate athletes that give you the can pitch all the time, and then if in fact he said it, now you get upset with guys that tell you the truth. And then you wanted to challenge their integrity. You know, he shouldn't ever say that. Like Connor McDavid has never said that in Edmonton. Has it crossed his mind? It must once in a while. Like, you know, I mean, he's, but, and, and the reason I think people get upset with guys like Eichel, if, if in fact he said it, is because they make so damn much money. It's like, just play and shut up, right? You're playing in the National Hockey League. Be thankful you're playing there. You're a multimillionaire already at the age of, what, 23 or 24 years old. Like, you're right, just make this team better. Or, on the other hand, he says, look, I don't want to sound arrogant at all, but they could likely get a mixture of draft picks and a couple quality guys for me, and they can rebuild. 
but he's he's so young he should stick stay there i i don't know i mean i don't hate him he can do whatever he wants the buffalo sabers um have really not competed a couple times with donnie edwards and and uh and hasek i mean they were in the finals uh when Dallas won their last, I think their last Stanley Cup, when Brett Hall yep. had his foot in the yep. foot in the uh, crease and probably got robbed of it, but they haven't been a juggernaut for a long time, and and uh, Perot never wanted to get out of there. Well, but you know what? When Perot was there, and this is the funny thing, is when Perot was there, they had a team. I mean, it's it's far enough back. I remember they played in the 75 Stanley Cup Finals against the Philadelphia Flyers. Jerry Desjardins was the goalie that year. But they had guys like they had a team they had the french connection line and and the nhl was a little different there were fewer teams back then um but i you want to go through some of the players on that team for some reason i jerry korab and jim schoenfeld and i I wouldn't go through them all ramsey and anyway uh, i won't bore everyone with that one don lever Don Lever and Don Luce and Perot and Rick Martin and Rene Robert. And yeah, we can, we can go down a bunch of them. Um, but that was a team that you believed if you were Perot that you had a chance. And if I'm, if I'm Jack Eichel right now, and again, I'm using him as an example. There's lots of guys on lots of teams around the NHL that probably look at their team and say, I'm playing here. And as you say, Don, I'm making a lot of money, but I got no chance of winning. And I think there are a lot of people that, as you just pointed out too, that say, you know what, you're making 12, $13 million. I don't care how miserable you are on the ice. The team has invested that in you. Shut your mouth and play the game and try to fix it rather than say, I want my money and winning. But the flip side is if I was that player, I don't know what I would do. They all do. They all want to win, and they all want their money. I, you know, I, I, I don't hate him for it. I mean, at the end of the day, he'll still be Jack Eichel. He'll still be, maybe he's still mad he wasn't picked first overall. I mean, who knows? I don't know how the kid operates. I don't know anybody that knows him. But if all this is true, and you're the owner, you got to be sitting there going, "Holy cow!" I mean. In his defense, they haven't really done anything since he got there other than hire and fire general managers and coaches. So it's, well, Edmonton have done their share of that as well, but um, it's not really a comfort comfort level. I um, I don't know what I would do if I was if I was on a team and I was a good player. I would like to think that I would suck it up and just say, you know what, I'm going to be here because I really do believe that the satisfaction for a player to win on a team that you have had to help build as opposed to just flying in and being the guy who's the last piece of the puzzle would be very, very sweet. I mean, I've said this many times. I I was not a fan of Ray Bork joining Colorado Um, because I thought that, you know what, the guy played his whole career in Boston a little different for Andrew Chuck because he played on five or six teams by that point. There wasn't a team that he was synonymous with necessarily. He'd been on Buffalo, he'd been on Jersey, he'd been on Boston, he'd been on Colorado, he'd been on Toronto. It was a little different. Um, you know, Patrick Waugh, a little different again because he was traded. He didn't move in there of his choice to just go to be the last piece. I thought Roger Clemens was a 
crappy example when he decided to join the Yankees just to be jumping on the coattails and try and win a championship. You know, take your team there. Don't just join a team that's almost there. But You know what changes your perspective or a lot of people's, I think, is what you actually think of the athletes doing it. Like if you're not a big fan of, for example, Roger Clemens to start with, then you're going to think he's a bigger doofus for making that move than if you really like a guy. Like there'll be all kinds of people that were Bork fans and saying, you know, it really sucks that he didn't finish with Boston, but I'm really happy he won a Stanley Cup. And then he went back and they retired his jersey. And, you know, I mean, the, I mean, the management of Boston may have said, look, it, um, Colorado want you. We're prepared to let you go try and win a Stanley Cup because you're almost done and we're not going to win it this year. Oh, I'm sure I that's mean, what they said. No I, doubt. I mean, it may. It may have been Boston's idea, and Bork maybe said, you know, let me think about it. I've been here a long time. I'm synonymous as a Bruin. I, you know, I don't know if winning the Stanley Cup means that much to me, and he probably went out and had a couple of beers and went, what am I thinking? Like, you know, I got one year left likely, maybe two. If I get a shot of winning the Stanley Cup and I can help him do it, then I guess that's my route to winning the Stanley Cup. Back to our earlier conversation. Once you're there, then the only goal is to win a Stanley Cup. I, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, there's, there's, look at Tom Brady this year. I mean, was, was Tampa Bay the team that everybody said they were just one piece away from winning a championship? No. And Tom Brady didn't leave to chase a championship. He left because, you know, they didn't want to sign him in, in New England. But nonetheless, he probably could have gone and just joined a team where they were, who was in the Super Bowl last year? I can't even remember now. Um, but no, you, you go there and try and be a difference maker if, if you can't stay with the team that you're already with. I don't know. I, I And we don't or know that Jack. You, you go there to try and make some money. I mean, where did Joe Montana, where did Brett Favre end their careers? You know, so many guys, Gretzky, you got to take your hat off to him, right? I mean, you didn't have to be a rocket science to see that he was likely going to retire in 1999. But he did. He went on on his own terms. He didn't try and hang on the extra two or three years. He just kind of left it. And, like, I forget who. Where did Montana end up? Like, Kansas City or something Kansas City, yep. Kansas City. Brett Favre ended up playing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I forget where he ended up. No, he went to do the New York Jets and then went to the Minnesota Vikings. And I think there was one other stop for Favre, if I recall, but I can't remember. I um, Winnipeg. But yeah, he just bounced around, right? It was, well, don't forget, Mark Gastineau ended up in the CFL, and so did Dexter Manley, two of the greatest defensive ends in NFL history. Both ended up wrapping their careers in, in Canada, chasing something. I don't know what they were chasing. It wasn't money, and I don't think it was a great cup ring. I'm not entirely sure okay. what it was, but that's different though. That's the, to me, if you it love the game and I don't know if it was a love of the game or if they were financially so desperate that they would even take the hundred thousand bucks or whatever it was back then. But if you love the game so much that you're willing to continue playing, uh, you know what? Fine. Do whatever you want to do. You know, if you're an NHL player and you haven't won a Stanley Cup, and you say, you know what, I know I'm done. If Gretzky had said, I know I can't play at the NHL level the way I want to anymore, but I'm going to go play in the Finnish Elite League because I just want to keep playing, it would have been sad, but I would have said, you know, if you're wanting to do that, knock yourself out. 
Um, well, Yager did it. Yeah, and Yager did it seemingly so he would stay sharp and try and get a deal back in the NHL. I, I'm sure that if someone called Yager today, he would come back and play in the NHL. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but no, I don't. Right, though, that, 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 that may be irrational. Anyway, we don't know that Jack Eichel has asked out. There's just rumblings, and it's just, I mean, I'm using his name as the launching off point. So anyone listening who goes, wait, Eichel asked out? Well, we don't know if he did. We don't know if he didn't. It's just the rumors. But it's just, it's players in general. I, I just, if you want to leave, like I'm convinced, Don, that in four years from now, that Austin Matthews will no longer be a Maple Leaf. He's going to be an Arizona Coyote. I'm convinced that when his deal is done, that he's going down there. And... If you want to go there because that's where your home is or some other reason, I can't stop you. And, and I don't think anyone's going to begrudge you that too much. It's just if you all of a sudden decide my contract is up, I can't help my team. I've not been able to bring my team success. So I'm just going to jump on some good team's coattails. That's where I have the problem. Well, you sure won't be going to Arizona unless something changes to win a Stanley Cup. No, probably not. To get a tan, play some golf. Well, he lives there. You're right. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Don, the baseball playoffs begin tomorrow. Um, I am a huge baseball fan, generally, who has had a very difficult time getting engaged in this year's season. I'm not entirely sure why. I think it's because of the short season and everything else. Have you found yourself caught up in baseball this year? I haven't, and it's and I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that Jays aren't playing in Toronto. It's, I mean, every sport is obviously doing something different than normal, but baseball just doesn't have that that buzz. And the Jays are in the playoffs. That's and why I'm surprised. Playing, yeah, and, and they're playing at the right time of the year. Yep. Them in football. I mean, we shouldn't be watching basketball and hockey right now unless it's training camp, right? I mean, everything's uh, discombobulated, but baseball's right where it's supposed to be. It's going to end right where it's supposed to end or, or right around then. And you're right. It's hard to get into it, at least. I mean, I flip on the radio once in a while if I'm in the car or truck and, you know, you catch part of the Jays game, but I'm not very engaged. I don't know a lot of their players. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very indifferent. And I, I want to be engaged. I just, I'm, I'm having a real hard time. And it seems so odd to me because five years ago, remember at 2015, at the end of July, when they had all the trade deadline stuff and they brought in David Price and Troy Tulowitzki and the Jays took off at that point. And it was crazy. I mean, you just, everybody was so caught up in it. And now, you know, going back to the playoffs again, and it's to me, it's a giant fizzle, and I, I really don't understand why the lack of interest. I mean, yes, they're playing in Buffalo, but I mean, really, how many people go to games every night anyway? Uh, they're not playing in front of crowds. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, I I think that it's just this this short season just doesn't feel like a season. It feels like they're having kind of a tournament, just well, like an intra squad game, something not baseball. Something else that doesn't uh, that doesn't inspire most Jays fans, if you want to drill down and be specific about them, is that they're making the playoffs, but they didn't have to be that good to do it. There was no long run race. They didn't have to beat the Yankees in Boston, and uh, you know they just had to be 
kind of mediocre because they've expanded them so much. I mean, it's going to start Tuesday. It could be over Wednesday, and then that'll put that thing to bed. But you know what I mean? It's not like they, they've they had their ups and downs. There hasn't been time for ups and downs, and all you had to do was play kind of okay, and you're in the playoffs. So it, the meaning the meaning of making the playoffs isn't certainly as front and foremost as it has been in the past. I really hope that this, what we're just talking about, where the expanded playoffs and the lack of urgency and excitement, I really hope that baseball gets feedback from people and hears this because I am really concerned that this is going to be the moment to go, hey, look, we can expand the playoffs to all these different teams and have more playoff revenue. And I think that would be a gigantic mistake because even though, yes, you may have a few more teams engaged down the stretch and fan bases and sell a few more tickets, I really think that it's taken more out of the game than it's brought to the game. All these extra teams that get in. I mean, three teams, sorry, two teams, I think, are getting into the playoffs this year with losing records. In baseball. That that that, that, yeah. that this seems just so completely wrong. Baseball is supposed to be the one sport. I mean, once upon a time, you had to win your division. Win it, period, or else you didn't get in. Now they have the wild cards and stuff, but I really hope this is not someone sitting in the executive suites going, huh, rubbing their hands together like, you know, what's that guy, McDuck, Greedy McDuck or whatever his name is, Scrooge yeah. McDuck, going, yeah, more money, more money. No, I, I really hope that's not what they do because I, I think it's um, I think it's a mistake. But but, the, but they had to because the only revenue they have is TV revenue. So they had oh, to yeah, this year. To get more TV revenue. Sure, this year, right. I see their point, but I just hope they don't look at this and go, wow, now we can do it moving forward because I think this should be a one-off. We'll All see. Right. Yeah, no, I, well, we'll see. You're right. Who knows? We'll see. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Don Robertson, you had something to say. I did. I did. We talked about Harry Howell as a local uh, sports legend. I was lucky enough today. I went out for lunch for the first time since March with uh, a sporting legend in Hamilton, Ken Welsh, who brought us our sports for decades at CH, back to the Federals era. Asked me to say hi to you, and I'm doing that. And Ken's doing very well, and it was good to see him. Excellent. Yes, hello to Ken if you're listening. Always always love talking to Ken. Don, thanks for doing this today. Really appreciate it, all of it. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.